Well, good to, good to be together this morning on this third Sunday of Advent. Um, are you ready for Christmas? I love it. I love it. This is about the time in December where that question is sort of like unwanted. It's uninvited. You know, are you, are you ready? And it kind of is like everyone in the room on some level is like, no, stop asking me that question. I can feel the pressure already. Um, you know, when we say that, are you ready for Christmas, the reason why it's a bit overwhelming is because all of a sudden in our culture and in our day, there's so much that just starts to come to the surface in that question, right? And it's why there's probably no one in the room that was just like, yeah, we're good to go. Because, you know, are you ready means do you have all your gifts purchased, right? And even if you do have all your purchased gifts together, how's the credit card, right? It's sort of like there's like all this stress and anxiety around it. But do you have your, you know, your dinners ready? Do you have what you need to host family? Do you have what you need for all the parties and the productions? And, you know, there, there's just all these things that kind of come into the midst of Advent. And so this question is, is a valid question, and it's one that um, we feel some, some reality to, some weight to when, when we ask it. What was interesting to me this week is I, as I looked at our gospel passage um, and kind of thought of John the Baptist, and we're going to spend some time looking at John the Baptist and, and allowing sort of his life and message to come into our lives today. Um, but as I was reflecting on that, I thought, you know, this question of are you ready is actually, interestingly, very fitting for Advent. Not only as it relates to all the stuff that you could almost do without, but as it relates to our hearts, our relationships with Jesus, the things that do matter about Advent and Christmas, I think it's a really relevant question. And it's one that started around the birth of Christ and certainly in the months leading up to his birth in a pronounced way. Are you ready? Um, I'm sure Mary and Joseph had a lot of conversations about whether or not they were ready in the months leading up to Jesus' birth. Right? Elizabeth and, and Zachariah would have had a lot of those conversations um, but they would have had to use sign language because Zechariah literally couldn't speak through the waiting. But a lot of time spent considering the promises of God, the things he'd said he was going to do, and probably very in a very real way, the things that were stirring in their spirits, right? as Jesus is forming in the womb. Right? And it's, it's calling them to these places to ask this kind of question, are you ready? Uh, Paul and Kristen, we're praying with them right now uh, faithfully because baby's not here yet, but it could be any day, right? Today, my biggest fear is that we would have to race down that crazy set of stairs into the hospital, you know? Like, it's like, because it could happen any moment. Well, if you sit down with Paul and Kristen and to ask them, are you ready, Right? They're probably going to say, stop asking me that. Like we've, but, but at the same time, there's been a lot of getting ready, right? A lot of process with the younger kids, lots of things getting ready in the house, lots of, there's, you know, conversations with midwives and with all, there's lots of preparation that's gone in to get ready. One of the uh, interesting pieces of the Advent season is we certainly think about Christ's coming, but we pay attention, too, to the things that sort of surround his coming and that teach us about who he is and about how much he loves us and how he moves in our lives, how he comes in our lives. And part of one story that really, I think, speaks into that in a profound way is the story of John the Baptist. 
that the coming of John the Baptist and the birth of John the Baptist was not just sort of like uh, a side story that we could have had or not had. It was intentional on the part of heaven. That in the very same way that God comes to Mary and to Joseph to speak of Christ's coming, he comes to Elizabeth and Zechariah to speak of John's. And the prophecy over John's life is full of this language that speaks to who John is and what he's going to do isn't actually trivial, it's very much a part of the divine plan. That John is going to come and he's going to step into a place that God thought was necessary. God's doing this, he's sending John the Baptist for a reason, and it's part of what I want to look at today. And I would sum it up this way, we'll come back to this as we conclude later, but really, I think he's sending John to ask this simple question. Whether you want to hear it or not, are you ready? He comes into the darkness. Leslie Nubian speaks of John the Baptist like a flashlight, like a light shining into the darkness. Interesting. But in a way, I think almost more like I love when I go camping and you go to the campfire and the sun is still just kind of going out so no one brought flashlights except the one guy who had foresight. And then it's time to go back to your tents and everyone wants to be really close to the one guy who brought the headlamp, right? Because you're walking back in the dark. But there's, that's kind of John the Baptist. He's lighting the way to where we need to go, right? And that flashlight, in there is this simple question, are you ready? Are you ready? John the Baptist. Who is John the Baptist? In the passage that Sarah read for us, which is in John chapter 1, starting in verse 19, this is the question that Pharisees come to John with. John has already been walking out this ministry, walking out this call of God, asking this question of people, and then meeting them in the response. In the same way I said to you, are you ready for Christmas? And things happen inside of you? Probably even in a more profound way when John said, the kingdom is coming, are you ready? Things were happening inside of people, and so there's ministry happening, right? And part of that ministry, obviously, his ministry of baptism. But as he's doing this, crowds are coming, and it's having a massive impact on the spiritual life of, of Israel. And so Pharisees come, these religious leaders come to see what is going on, and their question is quite interesting. Who are you? Who are you? We're watching what's happening, and we are literally starting to wonder if you are the Messiah. Right? So the first thing that John says in answer to the question, and I think it's an important thing, it's actually a pretty profound thing, it's one that John will continue to point out and articulate with clarity for people, I am not the Christ. So John, in the midst of his ministry, and as things are picking up and things are going really well, how many of you have experienced when things are going really well in your life, you have the tendency to start to think of yourself like a Messiah? Right? It's really easy to start to think in the midst of that that you have on some level become the answer to people's needs and problems, right? Because like, look at what's happening. Hundreds are coming. Their lives are changing. They're and if we don't kind of keep clear, if we don't stay in the presence of God and keep it clear, there can be this temptation to start to think that my job's bigger than it is. John never seems to get this confused. He says, listen, first in answer to your question, let me answer this very clearly. I am not the Christ. So then they go on, are you Elijah? Are you, you know, and so he's, they're, they're just like trying to figure out who is this guy and how do we explain what we're seeing, what we're experiencing? And then he goes on in verse 23 of chapter 1 to say, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. 
And there he literally uh, quotes Isaiah chapter 40, a prophecy from hundreds of years before of one who would come, not the Messiah, but would come before the Messiah to prepare the way for him. And John is saying here, as clearly as he said, I'm not the Christ, he's saying God is fulfilling, he's being faithful to his promises right now though. I am not the Christ, but I've come to make way. I've come to say, are you ready? To help you prepare. If you go to John chapter 3, which was actually the alternate gospel reading for today in the lectionary, John chapter 3, verse 22 to 30, is another passage with John the Baptist. And there in chapter 3, he kind of sums both of these things up again in a conversation with some of his disciples to clearly say to them, listen, remember, remember, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. John the Baptist was born to Zechariah and Elizabeth in answer to a promise from God. Uh, there, there's some divine encounters that happen for Zechariah and Elizabeth that lead into John's uh, birth. There's some miraculous things that happen. Zechariah is literally not able to speak for the nine months of pregnancy. And on the proclamation of John's name, his voice, his voice is returned to him. It opens up and he names this boy. Uh, and naming, um, we had a catechism class a while back where we talked about the importance of names. And Doug did an incredible job of reminding us in this culture how profound that is, the naming. And so he names John, and immediately following that is this beautiful prophecy about who John is and what, he's do, what he does. John then grows up and begins to a, a ministry in the wilderness. He's out, removed from the hustle and the bustle, removed from places of real splendor and grandeur into the desolate place of the wilderness, a come away, a place where you had to choose to kind of step away and to intentionally come. And people were coming to what was later referred to as like a, a ministry of repentance. John's message could be summed up this way. It says in Matthew, he went proclaiming, the kingdom is at hand, repent. He's calling people to repentance. And one of the ways he helped them to live into that, the way that they would kind of embody that, is he would baptize them in water. And baptism in this way was very normal in the Jewish culture. Uh, in actually many pieces of the culture where water was used as like a purification. So there's, there's a cleansing that's needed. Come and let's enter into this literal cleansing of the water and recognize that God can do something in your lives to cleanse you to, to, to respond to your repentance. Isaiah chapter 40, I already mentioned, is a, is a prophecy that gets mentioned lots as it relates to, to John the Baptist and to his coming like a, a voice in the wilderness. But one of the other prophetic books that speaks much of John the Baptist is the book of Malachi. And if you want to stick your finger in the book of Malachi, we're going to spend time going back and forth a little bit here. The prophet Malachi, that's their last book in the Old Testament. So if you're having troubles finding it, you can find the Gospel of Matthew and then just back up a little bit. It's right there. Malachi is a really beautiful book, and I actually want to commend it to you over the next week as you prepare for Christmas coming to spend some time and to read through this book. And in light of the message today and in light of Advent and the things that you're walking, it's a beautiful, beautiful book and one that I think would serve probably much better than my sermon. Uh, the things that I feel like are on God's heart for us today. But in chapters 1 and 2 of Malachi, Malachi takes some time to prophetically, and under the inspiration of God and the Holy Spirit, 
begin to bring awareness to the Israelite people of their brokenness. He begins to kind of call them out. For, for if, if, if the message is to make straight the paths, Malachi starts by showing them how crooked and unlevel and messed up the road has become. The need for the straightening, he wants to point that out. And so he spends time, and particularly, he looks at a couple of things. First, he, he points out and calls out the priests. He calls out the religious leaders, who in many ways have abdicated their role as priests, who have become complacent, who become, at best, incredibly apathetic. And in their apathy, they have started to defile the altar by allowing for and by bringing blemished animals for sacrifice. They're, they're not bringing their best in worship. They're, they're just kind of like doing the, the bare minimum. And, and in, in many ways, Malachi's calling them out saying, guys, like, wake up. There's a bit of a like, pay attention here. What is happening? Are you forgetting who we worship? Are you forgetting what he's called us to? And so he calls them out on that. Then he moves into a space where he begins to speak into the pervasiveness of adultery and of divorce in the church. And he begins to speak into the lives of everyone where the vows and the covenants of marriage have become incredibly apathetic and really loose. And, and it seems like in his day, marriages are just falling apart all around him. And part of what he's calling them out on is part of the reason they're falling apart is just the lack of value that you've placed on these covenants. They're falling apart because of your apathy. And so he calls these things out. And in both of these spaces, you could almost sum it up that Malachi is trying to point out the brokenness being, and the prophets often did this, synonymous with adultery. And, and trying to kind of pull them in by pointing these two things out to an even deeper reality that you have become adulterous in your relationship to the Lord. That at the end of the day, what's happening here at the altar? What's happening here in your marriages? There's a deeper problem. And it's this, that your heart has turned from the Lord. That you no longer fear him. That you no longer honor him. That they're, that they're, that, and so there's this brokenness. And so for those first two chapters, a bit of a tough read. And Malachi has this really kind of fun way of doing it. He says, you've, you've, you despise the Lord. And then you say to me, how have we despised the Lord? And then Malachi lays it out, right? But I love that actually because what it points to is how often when we're in need of some adjustment, when we're in need of repentance, we have done such a pervasive job of self-justification, we don't even know it. And if someone was to come, even in the love of God, with fully, completely the intention being beautiful in that they want to restore us, we would say to them, what are you talking about? So Malachi is also exposing a bit of the part of our hearts that gets a bit dull. It doesn't really respond to one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is to convict of sin. These places where God is not just trying to make you feel bad for the places where you need repentance. That's not the heart of God in calling us to repentance. The Bible teaches that the kindness of God calls us to repentance. He loves you, and he wants to walk in relationship with you. And you need that relationship 
to know life and life to the full. And so it calls to us, but Malachi is also pointing to the kind of the numbness or the hardness or the tiredness of our hearts that can't even respond when God tries to say, hey, come, let's get right again. After Malachi walks us through some of this and lays out the pro- the, 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 this kind of problem, this brokenness, he moves then into chapter 3, where we see God promising to respond to the problem. So I love it. Malachi is, is a prophet, so he's extending the heart, the voice of God, right? This isn't about Malachi. And so let us not catch, you know, we're not learning something as much about Malachi here as we are about your God. God points out the problem, he points out the brokenness, and then chapter 3, he begins to speak promise. I got a plan. I'm not just going to point out your problem and then say, have a nice day. I'm going to point out the problem because I've got an idea. I've got a plan, a solution. Look at Malachi 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. So here, the prophet is prophesying the life of John the Baptist. And the Lord, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple. Here he's prophesying Christ. And then back to John the Baptist. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. This is an interesting thing, and it speaks to the gift and the profound nature of what God was doing when he sent John. Because he sees there's a problem. You're not ready. If I send Jesus, you're going to miss it. If I send Jesus, you're not going to be able to receive him. Because when I ask you, when I say to you, you have despised the Lord, you immediately respond, what are you talking about? And so I'm sending a messenger. Look at verse 2 of Malachi 3. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he's like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. Malachi points out, we have a problem here. There is a messenger coming. There is one who's coming. And the problem is, not one of us could stand in light of the message. All of us are broken. All of us are wayward. And Malachi, as he points this out and kind of tries to bring it out, if you read through the whole of this book, you'll see it, that strategy of, you know, you've despised the Lord, how we, you'll see it over and over and over again. To try and help people realize their need, he points out this problem in uh, chapter 3, verse 2, but then in chapter 3, verse 3, right away, he also marries it with the solution. He says, he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. He says, you have a problem in that you're not ready. And there's one who's coming who who could stand before it, right? No one's going to show up when John gets there and goes, I'm good, and be right. But the beautiful thing is he's coming like a refining fire. So there's a solution right married with the difficulty of it. That if you will engage this message and the messenger, it'll be like a refining fire. You will be made ready. Good news. 
So in the parts of our hearts and our lives where we don't feel ready to receive Jesus, where he feels a bit at a distance, maybe there's parts of your heart and your life where you would rather he was not. You would never want to say that out loud because it just sounds so bad, but let's get honest this morning. John's saying right there, I'm going to send a messenger. I'm going to come, and I think John's work is picked up later, this would be another sermon, but picked up by the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit comes in our lives and begins to work to prepare and to ready us to receive all that God has for us. And one of the ways he does that is by the conviction of our sin. That he comes in and he makes us aware of our need for Jesus. To a place where we can say, I'm not ready and where then by the power of the Spirit we are made ready like a refining fire that comes to burn away the chaff and leave the treasure. The message of the messenger, if you think of John being a messenger as Malachi speaks of him, as Zechariah prophesies over his life, the messenger has a very distinct and clear message. Repent, the kingdom is at hand. In a way, what John wants to say in his message is, the Lord is coming. Get ready. I don't know if you've watched on Netflix the um, miniseries called The Crown. It's still, that, that whole world still just completely baffles me, just to put on the record. But it's a it's fairly, fairly interesting show to watch. But one of the things that gets me every time is when in that show, the royal family shows up, and everybody comes out, and they all stand and wait, and the cars get lined up perfect, and just so this lady can get out of the car and walk inside. You know, it seems like, what is happening here? Well, what's happening here is everyone's recognizing who it is that's shown up. And I think it's actually kind of an interesting picture. We all have this in our lives in some ways, right? When certain people show up into our house, we, we, we go kind of the extra mile to get ready. Right? You got people coming over. Right? This was always my mom's greatest motivation. She thought it would help to get my room clean. The problem was, until I was quite a bit older, I didn't care if people were coming over. But anyways, it was, but it's this idea that people are coming. We need to get ready. Right? And this is kind of John's message. The Lord is coming. Get ready. And getting ready is not just about getting the turkey on and about getting everything looking perfect. In fact, that's not it at all. Getting ready is about getting real, about humbling yourself and allowing God to do what only he could do to get you ready. And so he invites us, come, get ready. And I think some of us would want to answer back, John, how am I not ready? To stay in line with this group of people Malachi is trying to speak to. John would say, get ready. And we would want to say, how am I not ready? I read my Bible, pray every day, and grow, grow, grow. I, I, drop, I drop these things. If you didn't grow up in church, I just dropped like an old Sunday school song, and then I get to see who, who grew up in church. I do my best. I pay my taxes. I actually feel like I sacrifice a lot for my family and for God. How am I not ready? And I think John would want to say, great question. Why don't we actually ask it? Why instead of coming back like the people of Israel with a defensiveness in that question, 
What if we humbled ourselves and actually said to the Lord, how am I not ready? In what ways in my heart, Jesus, do, you, do I need to be made ready to receive you? Ready to welcome you into my life this Christmas? And the beautiful truth is that God has this nature that says, I will send a messenger, I will send one to help you get ready. That God by his spirit wants to work in your heart to get you ready. And could we be humble enough to admit that there may be some parts of our hearts, of our lives, that need some preparation that we're maybe not fully even aware of, except that he might help us to see what they are. How do we get ready? John says it's simple, we repent. Repent, he says, or Malachi says in chapter 3, verse 7, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, For the days of your fathers... From the days of your father, Malachi says, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. There is a beautiful piece of God's heart that is captured here in Malachi 3, verse 7. From the days of your inception, you have gone wayward. You, like, and he's speaking into Israel. We know their story. But I, if we're humble today, I think we could recognize the ways in which that's true of us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what God, what's so beautiful is what God says is, we had a covenant, and you just are breaking it over and over again. So here's what I want to say to you. And immediately, you know, the inner child in us cowers and just gets ready for the smackdown. And instead, God says, return to me. Over and over again, you've gone wayward. Again today, I want to say, come here. Return to me. And if you will return to me, I will return to you. That we have a faithful God who is true and faithful to his promises in our lives. And no matter who you are, no matter what this year has looked like, no matter what your life has brought about, no matter what you've done or left undone, no matter who you are right with or not right with today, no matter what has happened, the grace of God is sufficient for you. He would say to you, plain and simple, clear as day, wholeheartedly, unreservedly, return to me. If you think that's not an option for you, you pick that up somewhere else. God does not say that to you. And so in this Advent season, as we consider John the Baptist and his message fresh in our lives today, we think of repentance as returning. We think of how John, in, in, in response to people who hear this message and are being led by the Spirit or wanting to say yes, begins to lead them down into the river to baptize them in water. And to say that this baptism is not even the best news. There's a baptism coming, right? But it doesn't mean it doesn't matter. This is a baptism of repentance, of preparation. And so today, this morning, maybe we can respond too, even as we prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's table. To come and to hear the the invitation of John today to make straight 
the way of the Lord. What would it look like for you today to make straight the way of the Lord in your own life? What would it look like for you today to make straight the way of the Lord in your home? That's the invitation of God to you today in this Advent Sunday. To come in and to say, are you ready? And for us to be able to come to the Holy Spirit and to say, Lord, in, in what ways am I not? Now some of you might say, Chad, that's no mystery to me. I'm well aware of some things in my life. Some spaces that need repentance. And I want to invite you today to just to be able to come, and even as we come into a time of confession, to allow it to be a space for you to bring those things to the Lord. And then I'm going to pray for us before we confess that the Spirit would come and He would open our eyes, just the same way He did for the Israelites with, through Malachi. He would open our eyes to maybe some of the things we've lost sight of. That His Spirit would come and he would, he would show us where the path is crooked where it needs to be made straight. And together, like the many on you know, our Netflix Crown series, let's get ready. So that when we come together even next week for our Christmas Eve service and in the Christmas weeks that follow, that we can come and that we as a church can receive him. That God would be free to do what he wants to do in our lives, in our church, in our city such a gift, John the Baptist, but my guess is he bugged a lot of people. This is, this is part of the, 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 the thing of the Holy Spirit is I actually think sometimes the Holy Spirit really annoys people, but it's because they misunderstand him. He wants to and he won't leave certain things alone, and he calls us to repentance when we don't want to come there. But when we can capture the heart of God that by, through his kindness has come, let's prepare. Let's get ready. You don't have to do it on your own. I'm going to help you. Part of what I love about John the Baptist with the baptism piece, we've talked about this in baptisms before, it's a, it's a passive action. There's a lot that happens in that baptism with John, but one of them is that as people say yes and they come down into the waters, there's a shifting in their hearts that happens. From independence, from I've got this, from I don't need you, to a humility that Malachi talks about like a restoration back to be a people who fear the Lord. Who submit to the Lord. And interestingly enough, read, read Malachi this week. It, it's intriguing to me. He has a big section in there on tithing. It's like, what? Why? Because tithing's not just about fee for service. It's about an embodied way of bringing the whole of our lives in worship to the Lord, which is the opposite of what Malachi had pointed out. Your offerings have just been offensive. They, they, they've, they've come, and so there's this returning to be one who begins to put trust back in the Lord and say, hey, God's got it. I'm going to live in the way of the Lord, one who fears the Lord, one who serves the Lord, one who worships the Lord. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to take some time for private and uh, corporate confession together. But as we um, go to that space, let me just pray for us. Uh, Lord, would you come this morning 
and, and, and we, we would come to you as a church and as individuals, and we, would, we pray, Holy Spirit, would you come in your power? Would you come in your grace? And would you reveal to us, Lord, any way in which we are not ready? Any area of our life that needs to be made straight? Even the subtle things of our hearts and our minds. Lord, as we think about the joy and the amazing, awe-inspiring idea of receiving Christ, we would say as a church, Lord, we, we want, by the power of the Spirit, to be able to do that without hindrance. And so in the same way that you spoke through Malachi and sent John the Baptist, Lord, today we ask that by your Holy Spirit you would come and that you would speak into our lives and into our life together. So church, in, in any way as we've been in the Word together today, or even just as I've just prayed and the Spirit is moving, would you take a moment now in private confession just to lift anything that's come to your heart, anything that's come to your mind, that you would, you would want to call out for a Savior, that you would want to ask for forgiveness, that you would want to ask for restoration, healing. And just make your confession known to the Lord today.